I started to believe I have value. I started to believe maybe I can change my life. I could envision the possibilities as if a light had gone off in my mind. I found faith and I found purpose and I knew that although all of the odds were against me, I had little to offer as a high school dropout. I had no experience and no education. I knew that I could overcome those odds with hard work, with resilience, with personal ownership of my past, and I could get on a path for my future. Welcome to the Father's Day. I'm Jesse Lee Peterson. Thank you so much for being with me. Remember, you can support the Father's State by going to thefatherstate.tv slash donate. And also, we are on Locals. So click the link in the description uh, to support the work. And thank you all, too. A lot of you are supporting, and I do appreciate it. Very interesting guest today, Rebecca Contras. She is an entrepreneur, CEO, and author of Lost Girls, From the Hood to the White House to Millionaire Entrepreneur. Rebecca, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Well, thank you, Jesse. I appreciate you having me from the, uh, the second great state of Texas. I think you guys technically have us beat numbers-wise, but... Yes. We are, uh, we're, uh, I think, the two biggest unions in the nation. But anyway, happy to be with you, and I appreciate all you do uh, and your advocacy as well. Thank you very much. So you grew up in the hood, is that right? That's correct, I did. What, I am a mixed, a mixed breed, as they say. <laughs> my mom was a Latina, and my father, who I did not know, was Yugoslavian. But I grew up in the border of El Paso, Texas. Um, and back in the day when you could cross across the border from El Paso to Juarez, now you can't do that. Um, and then I was moved to Austin when I was about nine and grew up in the hood in Austin back, back in the day when it was hood. Now it's all affluent, but you know. We've changed the city a bit, but yeah, uh, qu quite a story. Right on. Um, so you say you never knew your father? No, sir. I, I'm one of four children. My mother um, was a um, a very sick human, um, you know, riddled with drug addiction. Heroin was the drug of her choice, and there were four of us, and, and none of us knew our father's with the exception of um, my older brother who knew of his father um, and he was a married man my mom was involved in, but none of us knew our fathers. And so we grew up in what I call abject poverty there on a border town, riddled with a mother who had lots of addiction to drugs, mental illness, and um, her entire life was plagued with significant challenges that um, that she grew up with and then passed them, passed them on to us. Wow. Um, so did not know my father. Do you, would you like to know your father? What is that like never knowing your father? It's like well, something is you know, missing. Well, you know, Jesse, as you know, we have a significant pandemic in America called the fatherless generation. Right. So I'm one of millions and millions of, of kids and, and now adults that, you know, never knew their father. But um, my my father was actually, I'm told, the owner of a nightclub my mom used to used to dance in. She was a go-go dancer when she was in her drug use and back in the day. And um, she he was a one-night stand. And so, you know, I wasn't even told the, about his association until I was in my early 20s. And I talk about it in Lost Girl and how how devastating it was for me to find out that I was born out of a bet um, and a mistake. So I thought at the time until I had a major intervention at age 19, but it, it, it didn't, it does a number on you. You have no parental figure. In this case, my mother was not involved as well. She was also a drug addict and abandoned us when I was five years old, said she was going to the grocery store and never came back. Whoa. And so we, we, uh, we should have ended up in the foster system had it not been for my amazing grandmother who rescued us. Oh, I see. And did you forgive your mother for that? You know, many, many decades later, yes. My mother actually did kick her drug addiction, and um, my grandmother gave us back to her when I was about 9 or 10, and that's when she moved us to Austin. She she found religion 
um, and tried to really get her life straight. But you know, Jesse, she she found religion and, and was was trying to be disciplined in her in her church going, but she never really dealt with her mental illness that plagued her life. So we went from one home of a destructive addict to another home of a mentally ill bipolar person. And it was, it was very, um, very problematic in my upbringing. Uh, I did forgive her. I was probably in my twenties when I first started forgiving. It was a 10 year process for me, Jesse. It did not happen overnight. I was a very angry young adult. And as a result, started making poor choices myself, uh, ended up Right. Pregnant at 17, on drugs myself, and just repeating the cycle of dysfunction yeah. that normally exists in these inner city homes and with, you know, parents that don't grow up with, with family members. And so, but I did forgive her. And I talk, I talk a whole chapter in the book is dedicated to the power of forgiveness right. and the power that it brings to release you and not the individual, but you for healing. So did you tell her you forgave her for what she did? I did. Um, my mother, um, and she, bless her heart, she passed away at 62 about 10 years ago of breast cancer. Um, and she went she went to her deathbed, never really forgiving herself, I think. But I, I told her I forgave her and released her. Um, she never really truly acknowledged what she did. Uh, I remember a conversation I had with her. I was probably in my early 20s. And I said, Mom, I want you to know I forgive you for all of the abuse and the abandonment, because there was sexual abuse and physical abuse and, you know, emotional abuse, you name it. And she looked at me, Jesse, and said, forgive me, honey, what do you forgive me for? <laughs> she never really acknowledged that she had hurt me when, or my, my siblings, her, her, uh, her uh, sort of line, line in the sand was, Hey, God forgave me. Why don't, why don't you let it go? Don't talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. You know? And so she had this perpetual denial and lived in a state of denial, which, you know, I loved her where she was. And that's yeah. why we, we had a great relationship as an adult, but it was very difficult. Well, the beauty is, it's not necessary for the person to apologize. It's necessary that we should forgive so that God can forgive us. And that's what makes us free. Whether they say they're wrong or not, it's up to them. But you will go exactly. free once you forgive. That's the whole yes. point of it. Indeed. And Indeed. So, and so you went and, and, oh, let me ask. So you came across the border, borders, your mother did. How do you feel like what's happening now with all the illegals coming in across the border from a, around the world? Well, my mother was actually a U.S. citizen. I'm a U.S. citizen. Our families are all U.S. citizens. Oh, we lived, we lived at the border back in the day in El Paso. You could literally cross the border and go to Juarez as a U.S. citizen. Oh. Um, so she, yeah. But you know what? We didn't have the the issues then that we have now, and and honestly, we haven't had the issues. In in the last couple of years, it's exasperated. And I'm really saddened when I look at my hometown and what is happening there. It's it's a tragedy what's going on there. And, that you know, we we have to fix that issue. Yeah. It is a humanitarian crisis at an epidemic level. It's a it's a a, a moral crisis. It's a you name it. It's yeah. it's just really a tragedy. And, and to see that happen in my hometown of El Paso, I still stay in touch with some some of my friends. My family um, don't live there anymore. My friends. And they say it's just unbelievable what's going on there in the city. And it's really decimating the infrastructure, uh, not only there, Jesse, but everywhere else in uh, Texas where there's a border. Yeah. And we really need to get our arms around it. Why do you think the government is causing this to happen? Because it's happening because the government wanted it to happen. They are causing it to happen. Why do you think that is? Well, so I mean, there's all sorts of conspiracy theories out there and real theories about what pe why people think what's happening is happening. I can tell you that it is a historic proportion on, in terms of the illegal crossings that are happening. And I think it's somewhere in the, you know, nine to 10 to 12 million. Somebody told me the other day it was 4 million. And then I heard a $10 million number and I'm like, what's the real number? Yeah. But I think that we have to, we have to shut the border. We have to secure our border. And I, I'm really grateful that our governor here in Texas is, ta is taking action and his, uh, I, I, I was listening to, um, I was reading a policy paper yesterday that they released. And just in the last 48 hours, the, the crossings have been reduced in Eagle Pass alone from about 
3,000 a day to three or four a day because of the barbed wire that the governor has implemented. Amazing. So, you know, Texas has to protect its own borders and we have to do the, the thing we have to do to protect ourselves if the federal government will not do it. But I do hope to see some immigration reform happening soon so that this bleeding stops. So according to your bio, you spent 15 years working in government, right? I did. I did. I, I started my career in government working for a woman by the name of Ann Richards, a very famous uh, woman, uh, first woman governor here in Texas. I worked for Ann um, in the 1980s when she was the state treasurer running for governor. And then I worked for Kay Bailey Hutchison, who became a U.S. senator. And then my last boss was George W. Bush. So I served the Bush administration, um, what we call W. Bush, which is the, the son, um, for a total of 12 years, uh, both here in the state of Texas. And when he was elected president, he asked me to be on his White House team. So I was in the White House with uh, supporting the president as well. That's amazing. Um, so are you Republican or Democrat? Well, um, I'm registered as a Republican conservative, but I uh, have been known to vote for uh, the candidate and the person that's going to do the right thing for um, our city, state, and nation. I am not a partisan uh, Republican at all. I'm a conservative. I believe in free free trade. I believe in low taxes. I believe in you know uh, reformed schools and a good education for every child. I believe in all the things that we aspire to, family values. I, I come from a Judeo-Christian value, fundamental upbringing. So I tend to aspire my beliefs to the biblical values that, um, that are taught in the Bible. And uh, because of that, I guess it makes me a conservative. Uh, and the reason I ask, because Ann Richard was a Democrat, and liberal, liberal Democrat, and I, I know her. I, I never met her in person, but I know who she is. And I remember when she said, don't blame George Bush. <laughs> he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. You remember that? Yes, I think that I think that's what took her national when she made that that funny statement. Yeah. Listen, I started working for Anne when I was on welfare, riddled with uh, post addiction issues, and I was trying to get my life on on track. Um, I had met my husband in the inner city who was working with the gangs, and I I lived in the inner city, of course. And I enrolled in a welfare to work program. I'm a high school dropout, Jesse. I, right I do not on. have a formal education. Nice. But I enrolled in a yeah, I enrolled in a welfare to work program. Um, and uh, Anne was sponsoring a uh, through the Job Training Partnership Act. Um, she would accept a graduate from that program trying to get off of welfare with the whole notion of the big welfare reform initiative that was underway in Texas to get single moms back to work. Yeah. So I started working for Anne as her receptionist and I, and I started at the bottom, Jesse. And when I left government, I was, uh, I was an executive and grew my way out of the top, but I really had a lot of respect for Anne. I, I, I loved her, her style and her empowerment, um, you know, mentality in terms of empowering women. Um, she was what I referred to as an, an, uh, an old Democrat in Texas, um, yeah. you know, back in the day. When, um, you know, Democrats and Republicans used to actually talk to each other, Jesse, <laughs> yeah. and work together. That doesn't happen anymore. But Anne was one of those reasonable, you know, working with the other side to get things done. And uh, I did not, not become uh, a Republican until I started working for uh, Kay Bailey Hutchison. Um, so it was really under Kay's leadership that um, I switched parties. But uh, but I am not a, a partisan individual. I am all about empowering women and supporting kids um, and, you know, entrepreneurship. So I try to stay away from the the nasty politics that exists these days. Nice. You're not going to believe this. I heard Cecilia Richards. You know who that is? I do. That's Ann's daughter. Yeah. She used to be my boss. Oh, nice. <laughs> Small world. Where did you work for her? <laughs> what a mess. Um, yeah. She used to work for a union, uh, SCLC, I believe, Hospital Service Employees Union. Yeah. And yeah. I worked for the union, and she was my boss when I went to work for the union. And so, yeah. So I know her very well. I know her husband, her kids. Yeah. And well, I don't know. I don't know any of the Richards family. The only person that I I worked for for a very short stint, about eight months, was Anne. And of course, I was her receptionist, so very much from afar. But, um, no, but I know she meet. was very pop popular here in Texas. We used to meet every day. 
uh, you know, because she's my boss. I don't. I never met her husband, but I know them. I've seen pictures of them and stuff like that. That's very interesting. And then she went, and later on, she became the president of the uh, abortion folks. Uh, the par- the Parent uh, Parenthood. Par- Planned Parenthood. Yeah, yeah. She she was running Planned Parenthood for a while. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And, and she and she's continued her mom's legacy. She has a school. Here in Austin, I'm actually going to be giving a keynote in two weeks there at the Ann Richards School. And Jesse, that school is incredible. It's the number one STEM school um, in the area. And most of the girls there are inner city minority girls, so Hispanic and black girls. And um, they're graduating girls at a 99% rate into college. They're really doing amazing things. So I have a lot of respect for Ann and her legacy. Amazing. When you say you want to empower women, what does that mean? Well, I um, I do it a variety of ways. Um, Lost Girl is all about that freedom and, and empowerment and getting your making your own choices and getting yourself out of your mess, digging out of your mess and making the choices to get you on a trajectory for your future. But I also, Jesse, have um, dedicated my life to, to mentoring. Uh, I'm a product of my mentors. I had people that invested in me when I had nothing to offer and developed me. Um, I have an uh, an initiative here in Texas called Girls of Legacy, and I have 12 uh, minority girls from inner city schools that were scholarshipping to go to college and we're mentoring them. I've paired them with business women that can mentor them and come alongside them and do life. I'm really a believer in investing and paying it forward. and, And I think that these girls that we're working with are high potential girls, uh, and and you know I believe that that it's important to give back and to and to serve the next generation of of women that could become leaders in our state. And so, girls, a legacy is all about that. And I've dedicated my whole career to mentoring and leading people and helping people achieve success in their career, just like somebody did for me thirty years ago. So, when you say empower, you mean to help them get jobs and. And tools. Be able to take uh, it's themselves. really just tools. And of course, you know, mentoring can be a variety of things. In my particular um, career, I have mentored a young women and women entrepreneurs in developing their skill set and, you know, teaching them what I've done over the time, over time, giving them tools, helping develop a vision or goals. It's really about spending time with the individual to cultivate that leadership within them that they don't know they have until someone extracts it out of them, similar to what my mentors have done in my life. Oh, so, so just to be clear, when you say you want to empower them, it's like you're helping them get on their feet by learning trees and go to school and Exactly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no hand, there's no handouts, right? Right. I I don't believe in handouts. I I think my mother was a product of the welfare system and the government assistance her whole life, and I hated that. And I swore to myself, I hate poverty. I don't want to live in poverty. I don't want to be on food stamps. I want to give my daughter at the time, who was just two years old, you know, a different life. And so, you know, I believe empowerment can be um, a variety of things. Uh, For me, what that means is taking someone under your wing and showing them the path, but also providing the tools available to them. With our Girls of Legacy, we scholarship them. We give them partial scholarships so that they can um, attend the college of their choice. And we also have very targeted mentoring sessions once a month with them. Do you believe that women who are married with children should work? Well, I've been in the workplace my whole career. I have Two amazing biological children, and then I have a niece daughter that my husband and I took in when she was 17, um, and she's in her 30s now and has a a son. And um, I've been in the workplace my entire career. And listen, um, I'm a big advocate for women who decide to stay home. Uh, I have friends that are on the opposite spectrum of I am. Um, I think every woman with her husband and her God's counsel should make their own decision about what's best for them. My path was very aggressively chosen in terms of career development. But I can tell you, Jesse, my adult children, I have my 30-year-old uh, in L.A. and my, my 36-year-old here in Austin and then our 36-year-old niece. They will all tell you that mom is always front and center 
Um, I'm the matriarch of the family. You know, they know that I will drop everything to make them priority. And I even tell a story in the book when I was in the White House working long hours of my my girl in eighth grade um, and the, the trauma she was going through and how I literally almost resigned to the president so that I could focus on her. And um, my boss said, no, you're not doing that. We're going to give you an accommodation, do what you need to do to take care of her. But I think moms have a great responsibility to put their family first, Jesse. Yeah. I see so many women that are so aggressive about their career and killing it. And then their family is like a bunch of dead bodies on the trail. And, you know, I think I personally know there's issues that come up for working women that are challenging, but I have been really blessed with a wonderful husband who helps me balance it all out and who is a contributor in our marriage. He's not just a bystander. So between he and I, we divide and conquer and make a great team to raise our family. But if a woman is married and she can afford not to work, do you believe she should work or do her duty and stay home and raise the man's children? I think every woman should make her own decision about what her career path needs to be or what her home path needs to be. If if there's a mutual in our home, my husband, when he married me, I was already working for Anne at the time um, in the state treasury department. He also had a career. I think we all, we have to make decisions as a couple. Um, you know, I think married people have to make those family decisions together through lots of deliberation and prayer and then making the right decision for the child. Right. If you have a woman who's at home um, or who's working and has a child who's having problems in school and they can't control them, well, maybe there needs to be a little bit of a pause to focus on helping that child be successful. But I, noticed, but I do think I women that. can I do do women can do both. I noticed that most women today, especially educated women. They're very selfish. They're see, they're on an ego trip, and they'll rather pretend that they or try to prove to themselves that they are equal to men, and they will sacrifice his children just to go to work so that they can get a false sense of whatever of ego yeah. feeling. So they sacrifice the children, and the kids are suffering as a result of women being on a, trying to pretend they're equal to men. Well, I can tell you, Jesse, I have about 15 what I call really phenomenal, highly educated women in my in my circle. Um, all of them are, you know, engineers or PhDs or business. I'm probably the only one without the formal degree. Um, and I can tell you, they all have children. They all have grandchildren. They've all been in the career and they all have strong marriages. And, you know, again, it comes back to that family unit. So Jesse, we've lost in America, the importance of the family yeah. unit, that family unit has been decimated because, you know, it's not important. You know, somebody said 20 years ago, you know, a neighborhood can raise your child, some stupid statement like that. Yeah. Well, that's not true. Uh, I'm sorry, but it doesn't take a village to raise your child. It takes you and you're committed to raise your child. Um, so I think I think I'm not sure I've seen that anomaly that you're referring to. But because in my circle, all of us are very highly dedicated to our children. But and I noticed we've been that, married 30 plus years. I noticed yeah. that those type of women with all those degrees and working and things like that, they don't make for good wives and good mothers. And, <laughs> and, and they're married. They're married to weak men who cannot handle them. And they tend to be out of control and difficult. Do you obey your your husband? So listen, my husband and I work side by side equally as a couple. And if there are times where I need to defer to him and it's a decision he needs to make, I will tell him, baby, you need to help me make this decision and go to God and pray about it and let's make it together. But I'm really interested in your in your perspective about this decision, but he, I'm not, you know, we don't see each other. He's not like I'm behind and he's in front and, you know, we're, we're, we serve equally each other. We serve our children equally. We divide and conquer with our children. We are a family unit and it takes more than just one person or a mom to raise a family. It takes a father. We're in a yeah. fatherless generation. And so, so I'm I'm of the opinion, and in my own personal life, it's really been us leading together and making decisions together. If we come at an impasse, Jesse, and we can't make a decision, then, you know, I'll say to him, well, you make the decision, and, you know, it is what it is. But, 
we we make decisions together as a couple, and I think um, it's a healthy marriage and a healthy family unit um, that I aspire to be. So do you obey him? <laughs> well, he would probably say I don't obey him. <laughs> what do you say <laughs> if he were if he were here? Um, so interestingly enough, he doesn't require me to obey him because he he believes I'm in my own independent woman and have my own opinion. He will he will say like, babe, I really want you to think about doing this, and he'll try to influence me, and then I'll say okay. But you know, we don't know we don't obey each other. We hey, listen, we obey God and what God says in His Word about how we're supposed to live. And then we have, you know, the dialogue together to make sure we're making decisions equally. So, so, so do um, you obey him? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in order to, uh, I'm going to define that. Am I compliant with my husband? Do I listen to him? And the question, the question, the answer to that question is I do listen to my husband. He's a very wise man and he has a lot of great counsel that he provides me with. So uh, we both equally support each other in that way. And so do you obey him? <laughs> if it comes down to it, yes. If it comes down to that line in the sand, I uh you will find I'm a very I'm a very peaceful, happy-go-lucky, keep the peace person. So uh I will say if he wants to make a decision that is wrong and I go with that decision, he's accountable for that decision, right? Uh, and I will come back and say, I told you so. <laughs> and so, Emma, do you, um, you're a Christian, right? I am. Yes, very, very much so. And, and your husband is the head of you. Our husband is the head of our home um, yeah, in terms um, of no biblical alignment. Is your husband the head of you? Well, I will tell you the way I define that. He is my covering. So anytime I... Uh, here on earth. He, he's been my protector. Um, he actually loves playing the role of protector for Rebecca. And there's been many cases and I share them in the book where he has come in and really provided that, that, that protection and that, that covering that needs to be in a healthy marriage, in a healthy way. Um, well, he, so, so I do tend, your head, the head of well, you. He's, He's not the head of me because I have my own head. <laughs> but, but God said that the man is the head of the woman and that the woman should obey her husband. Do you agree yeah. with God on that? Well, I do. But I think I think also we have to make sure that there's no overbearance of control there either. Right. So when a woman is controlled by a husband or a male, it makes it very difficult for her to thrive or be successful. My husband is not that way. Not control, so it's very easy. To, it's very easy to obey him because he is a very um, engaging man who, 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 you know, comes to me and, and we talk through situations. So I don't I have to worry that about men having to don't, obey him. When men don't control their wives, they go out of control. Women tend to go <laughs> out of control when the husbands yeah. are not controlling them. If you look around with your friends and, and the women that work for you with those degrees and they are married, they're out of control because the husbands are weak. Well, I, I don't, as I said, I have about 15 women in my circle and they're all very strong and their their marriages are very strong. So I haven't seen that. But I have seen, Jesse, what you're referring to. I have seen that sometimes in the community and um, and there is chaos sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think it's important to normalize um, the home and to stabilize the home with a healthy approach to how a man and a woman are going to work together because the issues with children are so big, as you know, um, we've gone through a few with our own children and it takes two people praying together and in agreement together um, on the approach on how to that's, raise that child. Yeah, that's why the, the woman and the children, they need the father there. So the father so important. can stand between the woman and children so that the mother does not screw up the children. Well, in our home, it's been the father providing leadership and right. wisdom, right? Um, David, my husband, um, provides a lot of wisdom and a lot of leadership. Um, but he he would tell you if he were here today that I, I as his wife, also provide le leadership and wisdom. But, but you can't is, have a one leader. He you is can't the have covering. a one leader yeah. in the home, and that's the man. Yeah. You have a president and a vice president. You can't have two presidents. Yeah. 
Well, it, it, Are you the it's vice a plug and play, or right? The president? Support, supporting each other. Yeah, you're right. Somebody needs to be in charge. At the end of the day, somebody has to make a decision. Um, otherwise, we end up with decisions already. But, right. uh, but in my world and in my level of influence where I've grown up and in my, my friends, um, I see a very powerful team when a man and woman come together and, and raise their children together. Do you I would believe love to that, see that family unit. Do you believe that men and women are equal? I believe that men and women have equal rights in uh, America and should. We know we don't see that across the world. There are women who are suppressed and abused in, in other worlds and other countries. But um, I'm thankful to live in a country where uh, where women have equal rights um, and, and we have an ability to influence. But not, I'm, I, listen, I'm, but I don't I'm wear, I'm wear it on my sleeve. Not equal rights, but what I'm asking, asking, ask, are men and women equal? I believe they are, yes. But guys and say they're not. The, if the man is over the woman, how can she be equal to the man? Well, I think I think we've seen situations in our culture where some men have made some really bad decisions that have hurt a lot of women, too. So, you know, women have to have their own brain, Jesse. I mean, women have to use their discernment and and in their own thought process, have a brain. If you have a man who's being abusive and and is not healthy, um, you're not going to you're not going to subject yourself to that. And, and um, I'm dealing with the situation. Most women are more abusive than men are. But they say it's that man is abusive, but <laughs> they never talk about the abusive woman. And she yeah. tends to be more abusive to the husband and the children. But for some reason, that it's not talked about. Why is that? It's always they pretend it's the man when it's really abuse coming from the woman, the mother. Yeah, I do think abuse can happen uh, both ways. I don't think it's always one way. And it's unfortunate that our society doesn't talk about it. Yeah. Um, I personally was abused um, and was significantly abused. Um, my abuser was my mother and, you know, she was mentally ill and she abused me emotionally, um, physically. And, you know, she she uh, she called it discipline. But, you know, her way of discipline was very unhealthy. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think men and women both are um, in the home, have to be healthy and raise healthy children. And they're pers- listen, we've been married almost 34 years and there's a reason why we're still married. Are you, uh, and it's you... not because it's not because I'm constantly fighting my husband for control or he's constantly fighting me for control. It's because we're working together, Jesse, as a family unit called by God to lead our family and there there is a a partnership involved. Do you have that's anger? what's missing? No, actually I'm not um I don't I don't ever deal with anger. Um I, I used to deal a lot with shame. Um shame and embarrassment mainly from my past, but I have I have almost two decades now overcome that and I'm very so confident have, in who God created me to you, be. So you never get angry now? No, I would say I I can get um a little irritable and I tend to be a little short sometimes in my if I if I'm irritated about something or but, something, you know, pisses me off so to speak, I will get a little short-tempered. But, but that's I don't what deal anger and struggle is. with anger. That comes from I don't, anger. I don't Yeah, I don't struggle at all with anger. It's not definitely but, been an but issue short that I temper and, and snapping like that does come it's the nature of anger. If you didn't have yeah. anger, you can never get short-tempered. Yeah. Well, I, I would say uh, I call it ir- more irritab- irritability than anything. You know, people irritate me and I get intolerant sometimes, you know, <laughs> especially today, Jesse. There's so much mess and chaos going on. <laughs> Let me ask you, I want to I have so much other things I want to ask you about. How does your husband deal with you when the hell come out of you like that? How does he, how does he <laughs> well, deal I, with the it? question should be reversed because he <laughs> he dishes it out uh, more than I do. But, oh, yeah. you, you know, we so both the hell come we, out we, of him more than it does you. Well, we're very different people. He's um, he's a very strong leader, as am I. Um, 
And we've learned how to communicate. We're learning how to communicate here in our maturity now that we're 34 years in. You know, everything is, every year we do things better. But um, we we do tend to rub each other, you know, sometimes and, you know, go off on each other. And our I'll tell you what our strategy is, Jesse. It's a timeout. It's like, okay, timeout. We're both mad. Let's walk away. So we don't end up, phys- so <laughs> we don't end up verbally hurting each other. Yeah. Timeout. Listen, timeout. Sometimes when I'll do the timeout, he's like, no, I'm not ready for a timeout. Okay, timeout. <laughs> wow, amazing. Uh, do you believe in the order of God? I do very much. Oh, and what's that order? Well, in humanity here, in terms of our culture, uh, you know, it's submission to the Lord and, you know, um, to his principles and aspiring uh, through the fruits of the spirit and biblical values that he that he uh, has given us to live by. Um, you know, it's doing right by our neighbor. It's it's, uh, you know, uh, submission to the Lord and his will and uh, forgiveness of people. I mean, it's all the principles that the Bible teaches us that are so critical to successful living. But God's order is God in Christ, Christ in man. Man over woman and woman over children. Do you believe in that order? Um, I do. Yeah, obviously. I mean, in my home, um, we very much have lived by the order of God and the and the principles of God, and I think that's why we were successful. And I, I try to tr- tell women that are that are um, what I call powerhouse women because I I consider myself a powerhouse woman. I've achieved a lot of success, uh, but Jesse, I don't wear it on my sleeves and walk around pushing people or my husband around with it. Right. And so, you know, there's, there's a humility that comes with that, that I'm very blessed to be where I am. And I'm going to be very intuitive to what I feel the Lord is calling me to do, to be successful, not only in my home, but also outside in my community. And I think when we wear our power on our sleeves and we go around pushing people around, that's just not a healthy, uh, projection, um, and I, you and I both know people like that, and sometimes it can be unhealthy. Do you support the Great White Hope? What is the Great White Hope? You know, you're in Texas. You don't know who the Great White Hope is? No, I don't. Donald Trump. Oh, Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize that was his secondary name. I just know him as the the, the MAGA president, whatever <laughs> that means. <laughs> the Great White Hope. Do you support him? Well, I'm in. The, we're in the middle of a primary right now, so I'm going to hold. Uh, I'm going to hold my opinion on who I'm going to support. Okay. But I can tell you, I can tell you that um, I think we need major change in America. Um, anybody that is alive and can pinch themselves should recognize that America's course is not going healthy, and we do need major change. So I'm really hopeful and praying for the right president to be elected to lead us in that change. But I will reserve my opinion on who I'm going to support. <laughs> I understand that. Did you, I don't know if you want to say this either, but did you vote for the Father Messiah? Who is that? Barack Obama. Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Do you think Big God Mama no. Michelle is going to run? Um, I Big Mama Michelle Obama. That- I, I think I think they're I think they're going to have to throw someone in um, at the last minute. So I, I aspire to, to the, the 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 theory that they have somebody in their back pocket that they're going to throw in at the convention. But we shall see. Yeah, I want to ask. So uh, your book is called "From the Hood to a Millionaire," right? Correct. And so, are you a millionaire? Yes, I am. Um, I'm very blessed, Jesse. Um, and I've had a lot of success with a lot of people that have supported me in my business. And we have a very thriving uh, small business here that is growing. And um, I, I have been very blessed um, to, you know, aspire to that wealth that God has God has given through the work of my hands. Right? Everything things don't happen through osmosis, Jesse. <laughs> you know, just because we believe it, you have to work really hard. But I have worked really hard, and um, my husband and I both are very blessed in our family, and um, I'm I'm very encouraged to be able to tell other entrepreneurs how to achieve that success. Yeah, I'm going to ask. So, in your book, uh, I don't I don't want you. To, I want people to get the book, but do you give them tips on how to become millionaires? 
So uh, this is my first book. Um, I am going to write a, a, subs a, subs a sequel, so to speak, that will be focused on business, entrepreneurship tips. This one is my story. It's the Lost oh. Girl story. And it really puts Rebecca out there in terms of my raw and real authentic testimony. Um, and it also, I would say the last two chapters talk about the steps that I had to take into my transformation. And some of those steps were starting not only our for-profit, but our nonprofit as well, working in the inner city with kids and giving back. So I give a, a few nuggets in there just to tease people a little bit on those steps. Right. But um, it's the first book of many, and I'll look forward to putting that out there. I am going to launch a business series in April on my on my um, uh, Facebook um, and on my website that's going to be focused around business entrepreneurship. And it'll be a seven-week series talking about how I built the business and grew it to multi-million. Uh -huh. um, so I will be launching that in the spring, and people can connect with me through the website for that. And what's wrong with the black? <laughs> well, listen, Jesse, I have I have two African American um my sister is African American and my I what told you we the? all have different fathers. We all have different fathers, right? I told you that. Right. My sister's dad was African American and so she's she's my baby sister and then my niece niece daughter is also black and I can tell you um I've learned a lot about the African-American community through them and through their journey in their own culture. And I can tell you that, you know, the African-American community is some of the most hardest working people out there. And 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 here's the thing. They're God fearing. You know, for the most part, a lot of them um, are faith aspired. I mean, some of the biggest Where are those people? here in Texas, Where are some they? of the biggest churches here in Texas are black churches. Amazing ministries. So, um, you know, I don't know why they have um, uh, listened to, uh, you know, some of the more negative things that are out there and voted the way they voted. But I do see that trend changing. Um, and I think there's a wave coming that people are not prepared for, because I think at least the the black friends that I have that are business entrepreneurs are all saying to me, I am really sick and tired of this. Like we've got to change, you know, what's going on in America and get our community free, get them, you know, get them out of the, the inner cities, get them, you know, successful in businesses. And there's a lot of people that are really trying hard to, to, to provide tools same way I am for my Hispanic community. You know, I want to see them free and I want to see them in school. I don't want to and, see them. Dropping why do out you anymore. want all that for them? Why do you want that? Well, I think it's part of my culture, um, you know, as a Latina, um, you know, we're we're the fastest growing demographic here in the state and throughout the country. And here in Texas, in particular, young people between the ages of 14 and, and 18 are growing faster and going into schools, the public school system. And so our Hispanic kids are dropping out of school. And listen, I'm a dropout. I don't want to see our kids drop out of school. I want to see them stay in school and go to a trade school. If you're if you're not going to make it, then at least take a trade or go be yeah. a plumber or go be a, trade you know. Trade is the and best so, way to go anyway. But let me ask, do you believe racism exists? Racism is what? You know how the blacks always complain about racism. White people are oh, racist I, toward the blacks. I don't. Listen, I think you are a victim of yourself. Yes. <laughs> There's only one person that makes you a victim, and that's you. And this is what I teach in Lost Girl. You know, you, I could be a victim my whole life. I could be completely non-functional, still on welfare, and completely, uh, you know, not a contributor to society. But I had to get out of my victim mentality and get into my, I'm not a victim anymore. I want better for my life. And I think that's for any community, black, white, green, yellow, whatever color they are. I think people need to stop playing that victim card. Right. Um, you know, we're the greatest country, Jesse, in the world. It's why we have this huge amount of people wanting to come here, you know, and we live in America. It, we, let's move forward in America and focus on the good things that this country has done and the tools and the possibilities that exist within it. And I, I'm not a big, I, I it's like nails on a chalkboard to me when I hear people complain that they're a victim of anything. Do you love white people? I love all people. Do you love white people? <laughs> well, I love white people. I love black people. I love Hispanic people. <laughs> Do you love white people? <laughs> of course. I love everybody. Do you love white people? 
Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, <laughs> why do, are you nervous by saying yes? I love white people. Does that make you no, nervous? No, I abs- Listen, I'm half. I'm half. Uh, I'm half Hispanic, half white. So you look white. Don't you don't look any- Hispanic at all. Do I? Uh, well, it's it's you it's can that, pass for white. Yugoslavian gene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. All you have to do is is start a conversation with me in Spanish to know that I'm Latina. Yeah, I kind of no, hear. Listen, I do hear that. We're we're called to love all people, and um, as Christians, we have to show the love of God to all people. Do you, and do you believe, shame on us if we don't? Do you believe white supremacists exist, or that's made up too? Well, I believe that America used to have, uh, you know, lots of years ago, a white supremacists. I mean, I. I've experienced it, you know, many, many, many decades back. And my husband grew up in Austin in the 70s, where there was a lot of racism in the 60s and 70s. And he's a Mexican. He's of Mexican descent and his his family experienced it. But listen, we can't focus on what happened, you know, 100 years ago or 50 years ago or even 20 years ago. We got to focus on today and how to make a how to make our communities a better place. If you and I go out into the community and we we project equality and love and forgiveness and, you know, entrepreneurship and all the things we represent, then all of a sudden, you know, people are not going to see us as a label, right? And so I think we all have our part to change what's going on with all the dialogue and the negativity of of the languaging in America right now. Um, I I want you to know that there's no such thing as racism, never has been, cannot be, won't be. And there's no such thing as white supremacists, never has been, never will be, ain't going to be, cannot be. It's an illusion. It's not even real. And the people who are saying those things are blinded by their anger of their hearts. And mm. God said, our battle is a spiritual battle. It's a warfare between good and evil. We, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits and principalities. And so white supremacists has never existed nor has racism. It's just been either good or evil. And all people are good evil. Or evil. Yeah. All people are evil until they return to the Father, until they're born again of the Father. Everyone who comes through the mother end up evil because the mother is evil. You agree with me that the God above is the man's God and the God below is the woman's God, right? No, I think I absolutely do not agree. I Why am not? Just, just as much God's girl as my husband is God's boy. I know, but once um, you're born I, again of the father, then you are God's daughter. But prior to I that, think every, I think Satan every child born. I'm sorry? Every child. Yeah, every child born in into the world through a mother. God has given mothers the most amazing gift, which is to give birth. Um, God created life. Women but that was life. punishment. That was not a gift. Oh, it's a gift for me. Because um, it, I remember when Eve listened to humanity. the devil and God said, all right, I'm going to punish you. You're going to have some babies and you're going to have pain with the babies. Having these babies as a punishment of you listening to the devil and not the devil is your God. Well, listen, I believe very firmly that giving birth as a mother is a gift from God. And and my, my two children are the greatest gift that God ever gave me on the planet outside of my salvation. So why do you um, my salvation, that of course, was number one. Is, why do you believe that punishment is a gift? I don't think it's punishment. Um, I think I think it's I think it's redemption. I think it's the redemptive power of God when when Eve sinned um and she fell, um, obviously there was punishment, but the redemption of God provides gifts in areas that he never we never intended. And so I think the gift of birth is is God's redemptive power of saying, you know, I'm giving you as a woman the ability to to create life. It's the most powerful thing on earth. But he didn't, and anybody he didn't that say, is given birth, he didn't anybody that is given cre- birth just knows that. She if you create, gave birth, you know it's life. She's not creating life though. She's just she's just the oven that the man put the you know the man make the bread up. But and he put it in the oven, come out and she just carried it in the oven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she didn't create the life at all. Um, Listen, I, I love, I love creating life um, and being a mother. But you didn't create life. You can't create, been, only God create been, life. Well, obviously, he he's the creator of life. But 
when I give birth to my children, which I did, I mean, have, they're the greatest gift to me on the planet. Um, so here on earth, um, you know, giving birth and being a mother has been a truly gift from God that I, that I embrace. And I think every woman should, Do which you... is why I'm pro-life. It's why I, I, I believe in protecting the unborn. Um, I think it's, it's important to protect God's children, um, and make sure we, we, uh, we do whatever we can to protect life. If it's not, if, if it's not that the woman's nature is evil, why does God say that all who are born from the woman must be born again of the father? If, if it's not, because if you notice that all mothers turn their children away from the fathers, the kids become angry, the mother imposes a will on them, and she recreates the children in her image, which is evil. And that's why God said they must be born of the father, because God is over the earthly father. So when you love your earthly father, you love God. If, if it's not because the woman's nature is evil, why do they have to be born again of the nature of good, which is God? Well, I can tell you there's all sorts of scriptures that can be uh, interpreted or misinterpreted based on how we want it to read or the interpretation of how we want it to see. When I when I read the Bible, I see that every man on the earth, when they are born into this earth, they're born in sin. And we need the redemptive power of God to save us. It's just, it's redemption, right? It's what, it's why Jesus went to the cross and died so that all humanity, Jesus didn't die for women. He died for men and women, for men and women to have salvation. And, um, you know, I believe very firmly that the gift of salvation is the most powerful thing. Jesse, the gift of salvation saved my life. I should have been dead or in prison. Had it not been for the redemptive power of God, and the, and the blood of Jesus that saved my life. And um, my testimony is very strong in Lost Girl because I believe that. And so you're what talking is, to somebody who uh, theologically is not interpreting the way you are, and that's okay. We have a difference of opinion. But I do believe that, um, that you know, we're redeemed um, here on earth when we give our hearts to the Lord. What is love? Well, love for me is uh, love is patient, love is kind, love is gentle, love is forbearance of sin, love is overlooking someone's fault, and um, and and love is grace. You know, it's all those things that we don't do perfectly as humans because we're flawed. And even as a, as a woman who's, I believe, a follower of God, I'm still very flawed. Um, I still don't love the way I should love. I still could use, you know, more of God's grace, which is why I'm in my prayer room every morning. But I, I believe if the world and if America had more love, we would not be in the situation where we are here today. And what is a man? Uh, well, a man is a man. I mean, a man is, you know, there is man. The, my definition of, of male and female is. God's definition of male and female. I all this nonsense about your child, uh, you know, whatever they identify with as a cat or a dog, and they crawl around on all floors and you know meow and bark. No, no, <laughs> you're a boy, you're a girl. <laughs> That's right. Should uh, men play in women's sports? I am very much against that. I think men are physiologically built to uh, be stronger, their anatomy, their strength. My husband and I, let me just give you an example. Both my husband and I lift weights. He's 64, I'm 54, and we are we are really big on fitness because we're trying to stay strong to do all God's called us to do. We were comparing the other day our arms. I lift weights three times a week like he does. He can lift more weight than I can lift. His arms are four times bigger than mine. <laughs> And when we play wrestle, which we do, I can't overtake him. He's yeah. stronger than I am. Yeah. I'm sorry, but why would you put a guy in a sports and tell them they can equally compete with a woman who doesn't have the physiological built that um, that he does? It's just unfair. And I'm very much against that. Right I think on. it's nonsense. And should women play in men's sports? No. Well, what are, what are the men's sports? Football, basketball. I think I think women should compete with women, and I think yeah. men should compete with men. That's period. Right. 
Amazing. If there if if there if there's an equal footing, Jesse, we should be pro women. All this nonsense about empowering women and during the you know whenever the 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 left goes crazy on empowering women. Where's where's their voice right now when women are being disenfranchised and losing in competitions because they're not on equal footing with other women? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Um, one last thing about that, and then I got to put you on the hot seat. Um, do I do I notice that women don't have love? Why is that? I don't think you've met the right women, Jesse. I've been all over the world. <laughs> I can't find it. <laughs> well, you haven't met any women in my circle because we all have very strong love. And where um, do they get it from? Because I've never met women with love. No mothers or well, grandmothers or anything. Where do they, oh, the ones you know, where do they get love from if they have that, it? That makes me really sad for you, Jesse. You need to meet more women that have love. <laughs> I know I know a whole bunch of them, but <laughs> mothers and grandmothers and daughters and women don't have love. And I, what I realized, though, you may, I'm sure you're going to agree with this, is that the love comes from God, through God, through, the, through Christ, through the man, through the woman, through the children. And, bec- and, and, and because women didn't get love from their fathers as little girls, they're not getting it from their husbands or boyfriends. They're not getting it from God. They only have hate. They don't have love. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Well, I, they I think call any, that emotional love that they have, but yeah. that, that, that feeling that they have is hate. It's not love. Well, anybody that has hate, male or female, is hate is not healthy. And I, I think all, you know, God talks about agape love. There's only one form of divine love, and that's agape love. It's the true agape love. And how can we love our fellow man if we don't have God's love? And I think all love flows from God. But I do know that. Um, so we just, know. we just need more God, Jesse, in our, in our culture today. I work with a lot of women around the world, and they do realize that women don't have love. They have anger. And, they, and in that anger, they feel good, and they call that love. And then they feel bad. If you take them off, they get mad. And they don't have patience with the children or anyone. And so they realize yeah. the anger that they have is hatred, and that hatred is what's separating them from God. And that's why women yeah. don't have love. I got to heat this up. I need to put you on the hot seat. And I, okay. need, you, I need you to answer these questions. Are these like fire questions? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I need you to answer these as quickly as possible. Okay. The hot seat. What is a woman? A woman is uh, a creature created by God to be on the earth and thrive and give birth and have children and be successful. Does, does, George, does George Bush care about black people? Yes, he does very much. Is America the best country on this side of heaven? Absolutely the best in the entire universe. Do you have white privilege? No, I don't, because I'm not white. <laughs> <laughs> is climate change real? Uh, I don't know about that. That's still in question. I think it's uh, there's a lot of nonsense out there about climate change. Do we need more white babies? We uh, we don't need more. <laughs> Do we need more white babies? Um, I think when children are born, they're a gift from God. White, yellow, black, whatever color. Do we need more white babies? <laughs> I, I, I think, again, children are a gift from God. They could be born. I don't care what race they are. They're a gift from God. <laughs> Do we need more white babies? <laughs> I'm not answering that. Pass. <laughs> Does a chicken have lips? Oh, gosh. I don't think so. No. Well, uh, was Jesus white or black? You know, um, I think Jesus was neither, and maybe one day we'll find out he was really Latino. <laughs> <laughs> Which is worse, abortion or slavery? Oh, gosh. Um, taking a life, for sure, is the worst thing anybody can do, is, is killing a life and removing someone from the earth. True or false, sending your kids to public school is child abuse. Oh, well, I'm a big supporter of the public school system. I think we need to reform the public school system and make it better for our kids. Should we give the blacks reparations? Oh, if we do that, then let's do it for every other race that has been wronged in the country at some point in our juncture, right? No. 
Did you have fun? I did. I had a blast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for coming on and thanks for taking the hot seat on. Tell the folks how to get your book, your website, whatever information you want to put out there. Yeah, so I'd love to connect with you. The best way to connect is to go to RebeccaContreras.com and hit the subscribe page and the contact link. Um, that'll come directly to me. My team gives me a weekly list of who subscribes and we personally connect with you. Um, and stay connected with all the free tools we provide. You can also follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Ann Contreras with the middle name Ann. I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. And uh, thank you again for having me, Jesse. This has been fun. It was amazing. I really wish you well with your book. And thank you again for coming on. And also, folks, don't forget you can support The Fall Estate by going to thefallestate.tv slash donate. And click the link in the description. You can support us on Locals there as well. Don't forget to like, follow, ring the bell. Um, subscribe, subscribe, excuse me, subscribe. Uh, check out our merch. And thank you all for tuning in. Rebecca, thank you so much. That was fun. Oh, thank you, Jesse. You're, you, you do a great job. I'm sure you're quite entertaining in a lot of ways. <laughs> <laughs>